Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Prada. I am here with Dan Rudman, and we are we're starting a, a new topic. Uh, it's going to be the topic of unity. And necessarily, if we're talking about unity, we're probably going to be talking about diversity as well. So maybe we could say we're talking about unity and diversity. Um, but this is this is well, it's a it's a relevant topic right now, and it's. <laughs> It's been a relevant topic forever, though. <laughs> if you go back into church history, you see that. I mean, if you if you read church history and you read people from hundreds, thousands of years ago, it's it's always been a problem. It's always been a topic. It's always been something that the world has strived for. We've always strived for unity, and we want unity, and we crave unity, and we long for unity. Um, <laughs> it never seems like we really arrive at it, and when we arrive at it, it soon fractures and separates and divides, and there's conflict, and it's just this this never-ending thing. We're always running after it, never arriving. Um, but now as we look at our, our current situation and our current culture, and we look at America right now, we would say, man, in American history, have we ever been so divided? Have political lines ever been so divided? Have people ever been so divided? And and maybe I mean certainly the Civil War was a pretty pretty divisive time in American history. Uh, but any country in history, you look at it, and there's always this this tension between trying to be united and, and experiencing great division. So we're at a, a spot in our history as a country, at least, uh, not even really talking about religious things yet, where we're divided. And we see it with the riots. We see it with the protests. We see it just politically with with uh, an election coming up. Uh, I mean, it's just so blatantly in our face. And yet, um, um, just with all this, this separation and all this conflict, there still is this... this this fundamental pull in everybody's heart to be united, though. And so it's so interesting, and we kind of want to talk about, at least to start this discussion, of why that's the case. Why do we all want to be united? Uh, why are there different methods on being united? And and <laughs> it's just, if we become divisive over how we think we should be united and it's just a mess of, of irony it's a mess of hypocrisy uh but yet we all want it and it's just a, this very interesting thing and it's it's a topic that we we have to discuss this is a really 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 um necessary topic to discuss because because once we get to the scriptures and once we get to the christian faith we see that unity is something so fundamental to who we are as human beings uh to who we are as christians we can't escape this topic of unity. Indeed, it's 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 ex- extremely important. So we have to discuss it. We have to know what unity is biblically. Because again, we'll get into this, but this whole idea of, okay, yeah, we're talking about unity, but are you defining unity the same way that I define unity? Because if you're not, then, I, I mean, uh, we're chasing after two different things here, and uh, yeah. so we're not going to get united on this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Sam. We both got deer heads on our walls. I'm looking at yours, and I'm you're looking at mine, and so we have unity. Oh yeah, that's all. That's all we need. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, even yep. something like that. Again, Dan and I can unite over our passion for shooting bucks. People get united over their passion for coffee. People get united yep. over their yep. their passion for NASCAR or any sport under the sun or whatever it is. It's 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 the world we live in. Yep. It's the reality we live in. So yep. Dan, you can take it away a little bit here. Well, why? Why do? Yeah. What's the problem here? <laughs> well, well, Sam and I have been having this conversation, and I I think it's fascinating. Okay, so if I go to Romans one. And this isn't meant to be a big Bible study right now. We're touching on some high, big themes, just, just to kind of set the stage, okay? Romans 1 right. simply says there's things wired in all of our hearts as if, like, like we know God exists. People know God exists. People look out in the world and go, there's something bigger than us. Uh, we can look at the creation, Romans 1 says, and nobody's without excuse because we can kind of see these fingerprints everywhere. God's make himself right. known to. So so the way I think about that, not only can I look into the world and see it, but there's stuff literally written on my heart. There's right. St- stuff in me being a human person that I can't 
like just get rid of. It's there. It's written on me, and it points to God. Okay. Right. So, again, our whole discussion isn't to labor that right now, but it's just real. So yep. you could yep. go any place, any time in history, and there's just certain things that are real for all humanity. Mm. You know, I always use, I hate to use this one because it's so harsh, but it kind of makes the point, like, everybody knows torturing a child or torturing a baby for fun is wrong. Like, everybody just knows that. And you say, yeah. really, that's kind of an arrogant statement, Dan. And I'm like, well, no, it's not arrogant. I, I guarantee you that any place in time in history, people would say, well, that's just wrong. Now, yeah. they may have some other ideology that comes in that gives an excuse for it. We need to sacrifice to the gods or do something. But right. I can guarantee you the mother and dads that were involved in that were doing it with weeping and great problems and great angst because they knew there was something awry with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. We, so we could make a whole list of stuff like this. Like like right. like Adam and Eve, a man was made for a woman and a woman for a man. That's that in fact Romans 1 that's part of that whole issue is God gives after people deny God long enough and try to suppress God, try to get rid of this knowledge that's intuitive truly, you could say that within their souls, built yeah. within their souls by God that God gives them over is this idea. And, and they just kind of go into all sorts of craziness, including sexual perversion. Like, yep. But it, it ought not be that way. You weren't made for that. So the point is, is there's all these themes that you find if you just step back in humanity, and one of them is this unity idea, right? Mm. And it's mm -hmm. always been there. It's like it's in, in our souls, this desire for unity. And then here's where the problem comes in. Again, we're just drawing some big themes to kind of get into the topic, I think. Right. But what our enemy always does, what, 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 what Satan has always done through ideas and ideology and all sorts of stuff, is he always brings in counterfeits. Everything's always a counterfeit. Right. You know? right. So right. again, this is a Christian podcast, so we can kind of throw these presuppositions that we hold out there. And I assume that people listening to this for the most part, um, probably already understand these things. Some are just maybe it's new. But, you know, Satan wanted to counterfeit. Satan couldn't create anything. Right. He is a created being. Powerful. You know, there's something profound about Satan, but he is a created being. Mm -hmm. He really is just one player in the big scheme of God who oversees everything. Right. And it's not... God fifty percent, Satan fifty percent. It doesn't work. That no, way. we're not. We're not dualists. It's right. not good right. and evil with this constant cosmic, you know, battle conflict going on. between these gods. Satan is a yeah. in a, in a real sense, Satan is a pawn. Okay. Yeah, totally. So, the point in that though is Satan can't create anything, so he has to take something that God has created, and he always comes up with a counterfeit. Yep. I mean, it's it's really it's terrible. Okay, so in this area of unity. For some reason, and I think we know the reason, we'll get to that, but mankind has always had this sense within him for unity, like getting along mm. in unity, this desire for unity. And again, you have to go, well, where did that come from? Well, I, it's interesting then, just quickly, is if you went to Genesis 11, you see this kind of coming to a culmination in the early world as we understand it from Genesis. And mm. it's the Tower of Babel. Okay, mm -hmm. and, and simply, again, without going into a deep Bible study, a deep theology here, it's very simple to say these people wanted to have this unity based within themselves in what we call autonomous man. Man is here by himself. He has this desire for unity. He's not really acknowledging that there's something profoundly connected here to God and the way God's designed this. He just wants to have this unity. So they set up this tower and somehow there's various discussions about this tower, but it's this idea that we're going to get God to come down and do our bidding for us. We want God mm. in the center of our unity, and we want to use him like this cosmic vending machine, and, <laughs> and we're going to have unity, okay? Well, <laughs> yeah, you're left. You know, but that's kind of the idea, okay? So we could get technical and all that, in the, but you can read the text and, and come up with your conclusions. But man centered in man was going to develop this unity, and we're all going to get do this thing, so they build this tower. Well, God says it doesn't work that way, right? Right. So God blows it up. He comes down and goes, not going to work. And he blows it up. And all of a sudden, he blows it up into this radical diversity to the point that they can't even communicate with one another. He gives them different languages. Different languages. And they scatter everywhere in complete uh, 
No unity. The opposite of unity. Just this right. com complete scattering, dispersion of these languages, of these peoples. And mm -hmm. right. And so more to it, we could have all sorts of big anthropological study of where everybody comes from and different ethnic groups. There's really just one race from Adam and right. Eve. Uh, all these variations, all this diversity, which is actually created by God. We'll get back to that in a moment. But I'm, we're just right now kind of saying man has had this in, in this sense in his soul of unity. And he's wanted yep. he's wanted it. Except for man comes up with alternatives that are always yep. counterfeit. There it is. Counterfeits. There, there it, is. it is. So in the big scheme in scripture, what's so fascinating is then you get to the uh, you get to the book of Acts and you get to chapter well, one, two, three of Acts. And yep. you have all these people who speak different languages, who are yep. all coming together in Jerusalem under this right. thing called Judaism, which is, you know, yep. under the, under this reality of Yahweh. And yep. they're coming together in Jerusalem. And they have different languages, different walks of life. Yep. And yep. What, what happens? Well, the Spirit of God comes. And if, you, if I could, again, in a broad stroke, just say the reversal of the Tower of Babel happens. Right. God comes down in the person of his spirit, which we will eventually get to in doctrine, yep. stirs this whole place up. And what happens? Again, broad strokes. What ends up by happening and what you see unfold starting in chapter 2 to the rest through the book of Acts is a unity of people. Right. All of a sudden, this diversity has a unity. And you see it in all sorts of little, <laughs> oh, little, little vignettes. You know, conflict between Jews and Samaritans brought back together, and differences of different groups. And you get to Antioch, and there's these different leaders from different ethnic groups. And, oh man! But what's the unity? The unity is in Jesus Christ, exactly, and centered in this proclamation of this gospel. Gospel. The gospel yep. brings together and creates the unity. Yep. That mankind always wanted. Right. Because it was wired in us by God to have it. Except, again, we want to do it our own way. And God says, I'm yeah. not going to let you. So right. it's just this fascinating reality that in the gospel, and we'll get to this, right? But it's an indicative, oh, it's an indicative meaning it's a fact that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, with Christ as the head. Right. There is unity. It's real, and yep. and, and it's and, we'll, and it's ours to have, and it's ours to taste and participate in. And we'll flesh that out because it it yeah. gets there's a lot doctrinally to flesh out with that. Yeah. Um. And and we'll we'll bring it to Ephesians four, and we'll flesh out this I call this trinitarian reality of unity. We yeah. see these aspects that we again, like Dan says, it's an indicative. They're already true of us. Um. All these different elements of unity, and they and they're really defined by the triune God, who yeah. is the ultimate unity. Yeah. So we'll get into that. That's coming yeah. up. But so, so if you spend enough time on Sam's podcast, Sam was doing this stuff way before he invited me to be part of it. But we have these presuppositions, and exactly presuppositions are things we come to the table with. And one of the things, a couple of the key things that Sam and I come to the table with is that the real, living, true, personal, infinite triune God actually exists. Like, yep. like we're not, Boom. he's, he's not, locked, he's not locked up in a closet away from us. We don't have access to him. Him does. We're talking about the omni God is how I say it. Like yeah. infinite limitless God. Fascinating. Yep. Okay. Secondly, then this limitless infinite God is personal and he communicates with us and he really did reveal real knowledge to us. The knowledge yep. he wants us to have in the scriptures. Right. And so. So if we're going to have this discussion of unity, you have to start with the scriptures, right? But exactly. up to this point, what we've just been saying, and this is what prompted this podcast, is Sam and I have been talking about this, and I, it's not new for me. I'm almost 60 now. Sam's in his early 20s. And I've been watching yep. this since I became a Christian, you know, since I've been involved in the evangelical Christian world since basically pretty much late late 20s or mid-20s on, so for almost four, you know 35 years now. There seems to be this discussion all the time out there. And so yes. I live in a university town, and it's fascinating to me. You go to the university, and like the big thing is unity. And at the same time, the big thing is diversity. And they yeah. literally have, <laughs> you literally have like, like police, like law enforcement now. You have enforcement of diversity. So they literally have committees on diversity. But again, the bigger thing to me is as a Christian, 
who has these presuppositions, like I would tell you, like, I'm, I'm all in on unity and diversity because it's, it's the very nature of our God who's the perfect unity and diversity in one. Like, like it's my thing. It's my world. It's my wheelhouse as a Christian. Right, right, right. Like, hey, I, world, I, if you want to talk about unity and diversity, yeah, yeah, you're come stealing to me, man. it like, from I, me. Like, I could, give you, I could give you the background behind the whole thing. So it's fascinating to me as I watch it unfold in our culture today, and you see it exemplified, obviously, in academia and the university. Like, they're all about this, but I want to go, why are you even about it? Like, where, why is this even in your soul? Why are you even thinking about it? And then further, right. further, obviously, you guys are coming up with all sorts of counterfeits that actually, in the end, you know, kind of shoot yourself in the foot. And you don't get oh, it. Oh, yeah. All you end up with is, is anarchy. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> and, exactly and, what happened. And the sad part is, is that is what, as citizens of at least the West, we're U.S. guys, uh, we're watching this unfold in our midst. We're watching the anarchy oh, and the man. chaos. Uh, I mean, even for the sake of somehow claiming this unity and diversity, literally an ideology of totalitarianism is, is, is rising up. You know, Holy the, the, moly. And if you don't agree with this totalitarian view, you know, you, you're the enemy. And it's weird. It's like, <laughs> so, so again, we're just saying right now that we see this intuitive in the world. It's real. And yet we would say as Christians, we have the answer. And I just want you to know how real it is with everybody experiencing it. One, just, I have a number of stories and I think Sam wanted to glean some of these from me. Again, I've had, you know, a life of living some of this, but even this year, um, I was with a group of our comrades. Sam knows them. Sam, yep. Sam wasn't with us on this trip, but we were in Egypt and there we were in a room, uh, we're doing training, uh, biblical training with um, Christians there were like 240 leaders from 11 different nations. Yeah. And what I found fascinating when we got there, uh, it was apparent early on, but particularly by the midweek, the end of the week, you spend a whole week with these folks, like, you know, from early morning till night. I mean, 12, 14 hours a day for a yeah. week. I found it fascinating because I didn't realize how serious it was. But when they came into that room from all the different nations, one of their big concerns as they looked around that room was unity and not in this American kind of idea. Like they were really nervous because there were people in that room that came from different religions and different tribes that had con mm. conflict with other people in the room. Mm. Literally, they're like, what are they doing here? It'd be right, you know, actual like tribalism type stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. And it was very real. It was like palpable. It was like thick in the room. <laughs> and, and and that was kind of new for me. Like, I kind of theoretically know of that, but, like, it was very serious. And mm. what was fascinating is by the end of our week, because we started with Scripture, we, we started all of our conferences saying, wait a minute, we believe in a God, just like I just said, said with Sam here. We believe in a God who actually speaks to us and actually communicates with us, and we're gonna everything we're going to do is centered right here in what God says to us. Yeah. And by the middle of the week, especially the end of the week, there were numerous testimonies because we always give time at the end of the week for people to share things they'd learned of the week and through the week. And again, just understand, some of these people were literally radically different religions. This was not American where there's kind of churches on every corner kind of stuff. These are people right. from places that, you know, they kind of are behind closed doors when they do the church thing. Okay? Right. So, and I won't say any more than that. You can figure it out. But here's the point. Um by the time we got to the end of the week, that was one of the big testimonies they had. They were kind of in awe about how much they realized we really did have unity in Christ. Mm. It was serious mm -hmm. to them. I mean, like they, like they, they're some of these tribes fight each other. You guys, like Christians killing Christians, they, like that's what yeah. happens. And so there were numerous things. One is this intuitive sense, even in them, for a desire for unity, but yet not experiencing it. Uh, yep. Many of them, even though they're leaders in their countries, you know, a lot of this is new to them, even thinking through a lot of these scriptural things. And they're seeing it, that what we're saying yep. here, this biblical reality that God has given us, they tasted it that week. Just profound. And the last thing I would say that's been really stunning to me, that's been very troublesome to me, and our, our goal of this podcast isn't to get into all this. But we talk in this country a lot of times, like the political, public media, social media narrative is about how diverse we are and how there's these groups against groups folks we the word 
you know, I'm stumbling around for even words to say. We don't have a clue to like where these, so many of these people we were with are from that literally they can't get along with neighbors and they're going to kill each other. Right. We don't have that here. Not like that. I'm not saying there aren't things to be addressed, by the way, and I'm not trying to go down a whole road right now. Well, but it's not. But so, so here's a couple of examples. I have a daughter-in-law who's Polish, dear gal, married to my son. It's, it's wonderful. But I mean, it's pretty natural for her to move to a community that they've lived in a couple of communities and look to connect with other people from Poland. Yeah. That doesn't make her doing something wrong. It's like she, wrong, right? It's what's comfortable for her. And she wants to be with people from her homeland. And I see the same thing right in here in Kansas City. You have these churches that are Ethiopian churches. And it's like, they're all Ethiopians. Yeah. It's not because there's something wrong with them. They're prejudiced. They just like to no. go. They just want to go Sunday morning to church with a bunch of Ethiopians. They kind of speak the same language. They think the same. They talk the same. And so anyway, all I'm getting at is that I find it fascinating. I'm living in a culture that on one hand talks about unity and diversity. On the other hand, saying that everything's jacked up when maybe some of it is, some of it isn't. Bottom line is what you said in the beginning, Sam. The confusion and the, I don't know what words you used. This thing is a mess. I don't even remember. It's kind of a, it's a mess. It's a it's, mess. Yeah, it's, it's a, a mess. It's a mess. It's a mess of irony, hypocrisy. That's what I, that's the words. Yeah, you use those words. Yeah. And so all yeah. I want to say is that the amazing thing to me is if we were to start again with our presuppositions that God has given us. And that's where we have to start. Yeah, and start working this through step by step. You would find us at a place where we can be at rest and go, wow, look what God has given us. And we'll get right. to the scriptures. But first of all, it's already an indicative, meaning it's already a fact that we have it. Yeah. God's actually given it to us, folks. Anybody listen to this before you even start? You need to understand, God's already given it to us. <laughs> now, he says to maintain it, we can kind of screw some things up. But I can guarantee you this, part of the screw up is adopting the world's ways to solve it. Oh, exactly. And we got to go back to the scriptures. Go, oh, no, 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 no. God's well, already. <laughs> so, so let me just give you a glimpse. Imagine again, I'm sitting in a room in Egypt. My wife's with me. Another couple from the U.S. came with us. And I'm with all international people. In a certain sense, I'm like the only white guy speaking, preaching, okay? Yep, yep. And we look across the room, and like all these people in the most intimate areas of their life, the center core of their being, know the same God I know. Yep. And believe a whole boatload of things that I believe. Yep. They didn't grow up playing t-ball. They didn't grow up with Pizza Hut. They didn't grow up in the world I grew up in. And yet they, right. they fundamentally at the core of their being believe the same things I believe. And it isn't because they heard some Western radio program that told them to think this way. It's because, no. it's because of this reality that God has invaded their life in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Right down to, it's fascinating, I've t tried to uh, share this with some of my kids. I have young adult kids now that are having kids, so I have six grandbabies. Right, I have five with one on the way. But Sure. I get with these guys from these other cultures. It's fascinating how often they actually like give their kids, raise their kids very similar to what my wife and I did. And they're from a completely different culture. Right. And I'd be like, you told your teenage daughter that? Well, I did too, you know. <laughs> Well, it's it's because we're all we have a unity off the same playbook. It's it's right. it's amazing to me. It's like you told your son that at sixteen. That's what I told my son. Like yeah, and we kind of look at each other and go, well, it's because we have the same worldview, and it isn't because we went to the same Bible college or seminary. It's because we're both Christians. Exactly. And we literally think about raising our kids the same way, doing the same things, and in really in large, big stuff. Well. It, it, and this is this is the 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 funny reality. Well, maybe funny is the wrong word, but just of yeah. what we're experiencing right now in America. It's like, man, I go to my church in Castleton, North Dakota. Yeah. And I mean, probably one of the whitest places you'll ever be at. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, skin color wise, and I get together with these believers there, and we're all white. And we're worshiping God, and it's this amazing experience of unity and fellowship and communion and worship of this God. And 
and and like you, Dan, I I mean, two years ago I went to with Egypt or to Egypt with you and yeah. went to Ethiopia with you. Yeah. And here we are, these two white guys with all these Africans. Uh, and again, we're experiencing this unity in this worship of this God yeah. who exists and it's and it's sweet and it's wonderful and there's this deep fellowship and it's 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 wonderful and it's not because of anything to do with the color of somebody's skin. Yeah. It's it's this it's this unity that's it's it's spiritual, it's internal, uh it's something that exists not because I created it. Uh yeah. Well in t- it, it, but let me just say, say, not just something that we experience. What you're talking about is subjective. By the way, I'm not opposed to subjective. Oh, we, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. What I'm saying, though, is it's not only subjective, right? But we can actually talk about it because it's based on something that is objectively. Objective. It's yep. eternally objective. And so right. while I experience it, I'm just kind of caught up in it. Yeah. But here's the point. Why we're there, we don't even really think about, quote, unquote, addressing it because it's kind of happening in our midst as we're centered on the content right of the gospel it's just right so yep anyway okay so okay i think more of this has been just like as we you and sam and i talked before we started the podcast was like we see this thing going on out there and we want to go oh gosh like we yeah. as we as christians have the have have the fundamentals yeah, to understand we're setting the stage here so okay so where we go man well I know that you wanted to talk about a couple. I mean, you've already shared one story, but again, think of it. We're still setting the stage of the issue or the problem. Um, we're probably going to start to transition into more of this reality for the church because here you have the world, and I think we should talk about that a little bit more, just because it's it's so historical. With you got Plato, Aristotle, you got this 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 dilemma with the philosophers of they they're trying to harmonize this reality that. They, they they see this unity, but also they see this diversity. These things seem to be uh, definitionally opposed to each other or antithetical to each other, yet both seem to be true. How is that possible? I think we should kind of hint on that a little bit. Yeah. But eventually we, eventually we want to transition into uh, unity in the church. Um, yep. yep. And, and we – again – there's so much we could. There's so many avenues we could go because here you have this reality that every human being on Earth is created in the image of God. So every human being fundamentally has this tremendous unity. They're all image bearers. Yeah, that's a tremendous thing. That's a tremendous unity. But yet, then you have this also this other reality that there's 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 two types of people on this on this Earth, dead or alive. Either you're in Christ or you're not. Either you're under God's wrath or you're not. Either you have eternal life or you don't. Either you're in darkness or you're in light. Yeah. And there isn't there isn't a unity uh in a more I don't know, deeper sense between the non Christian and the Christian. There's so much difference between those two. Let's like fundamentally different. Yes, they have unity in that they're both creating the image of God and they both live in this this universe that God created and they both fall underneath the 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 laws that God has created in this universe. Yeah. Uh but yet between a non-Christian and a Christian there's a lot of differences that divide them as they should. And I think we need to get into that. So <laughs> The issues that I see in the church today when it comes to the topic of unity is that a lot of churches, especially liberal-leaning churches, they try to they try to overemphasize this unity that they have with the world. Let's unite with the world and bring in the world and bring in the non-believer and unite with them. And and we'll get into that, but that's a whole assortment of problems on why that might not be the best idea. Uh but let's uh, let's kind of where do you want to go, Dan? Do you want to talk about more about the philosophers and this issue of unity and diversity, or do you want to get into more of the this is the issue we see in the church right now with yeah with, well uh, yeah let me go let me go here let me take a stab at this um, sure you had mentioned it you know two minutes ago about a couple stories so here's just a couple stories that I, I had one was. So I was part of a, um, a group of leaders that, uh, 
associate with campuses. Now, I'm specifically not a campus ministry, but I'm invited to speak and do evangelism and apologetics and, you know, yeah, yeah, preaching on a lot of different campuses in my lifetime. Okay, and right. so I'm I'm kind of invited into that world quite a bit, um, and. So a lot of my ministry was either mentoring young men or sharing the gospel with college students, that sort of thing. And so within, right. within that, at one point, I was invited to a conference. Um, a conference. It was a wonderful conference, by the way. I want to say this is all po- very positive. I just want to tell you an experience I had there. But it was this conference of these what they call different, different campus types of leaders from around the country. They wanted to gather them in kind of a uh, environment, call it a greenhouse environment. Uh, sure. And it was hosted, it wasn't hosted by the University of Yale, but it was held at Yale. And what pro- year was this? Oh, I don't know now. Um, 15 years ago? Sure. And it was a wonderful opportunity to be with some, a lot of different people, a lot, a, a lot of diverse people in that room from the Christian world. You know, yep. from the charismatic world to the, you know, cessationist world to the, uh, you know, reform, non-reform. There was a whole room of leaders. I forget how many, a boat, boatload of us, you know. Sure. And uh, and it was hand-selected in a certain way. It wasn't like it was just open for anybody to come. It was kind of an invitation, and they kind of limited it. So I don't remember. I'm going to say 70 or 80 leaders, maybe less than that. Okay. Yep, And it was a whole, literally eight or nine days of discussing revival and spiritual awakening in the country. And it's why they held it at Yale, because of the kind of the church history, the historic yeah. move of God in Yale and the, and, you know, in the... Uh, the First Great Awakening. Yeah, First Great Awakening. And then, of course, we had a lot of discussion about the Second Great Awakening. Yale yep. has, has a lot of those fingerprints there. And yep. so it was meant to be this, like... Uh, greenhouse of a discussion both historically, theologically, what happened during these times, and kind of a desire, not even kind of, a desire to see God come to our nation again. And yes. perhaps particularly through the doorway of the universities. So you you you, you guys were uniting over this revival. desire to see revival and awakening happening again, especially yeah. in the campus. Yeah, yeah, there it is. Okay. That's it. Yeah, you're summarizing good for me. Okay, so... So we gather for the week, and there's and there's diversity there. There's some things there. I'm like, ah, I'm probably not on the page with that person on some theological thing, but it didn't seem like a big deal. It was just great. I understood what they were trying to do. I was yep. all I was all in and enjoying it. Um, but I had an experience by the end of the week that I found interesting. So I met this. Um, it's a, we're done now. We had this great week together, and again, I yep. saw I saw some differences. You know that even theologically, didn't seem major, but I would have had some differences with some people. But the big thing was, is I'm on a shuttle bus heading back to the airport at the end of the week. And I'm yep. sitting with one of the women who was a prominent woman during the week, a uh, particular denomination. Um, she had been up front leading prayer a few times, uh, very uh, oh, expressive kind of personality. And it was really enjoyable and seemed very, you know, you could say emotionally powerful when she prayed and led us in prayer. And it was really cool. Well, we're, we're ready to leave, and, and as we're pulling out of the university, I looked up and saw the, the symbol. I always forget the name of it, but it's Veritas, and they have literally these symbols on the buildings at Yale, and it was all based on truth, truth-centered in the Scripture, and you see this little, like, carving stone emblem on the building fronts there at Yale. Yeah. Yeah, and I mentioned to her. I said, "Now, isn't that interesting? Here's an entire university that was grounded, and its history is grounded in Christian theology, the truths of the right. scriptures." And I said, "Here they are today, so you know, liberal and so um, accepting all sorts of other stuff, not what it originally was." And here's yeah. what I found fascinating. Remember, I've had this thing we called unity all week and talking about revival week. And she says to me, she says, "Well, you know." I, I'm not sure I understand that, what you're saying. She said, because I've heard people in this room say that this week of all the, the problems and the, and the cultural issues in universities. And she said, I think what's going on here at Yale is wonderful. I, I know a chaplain here, and they have weekly gatherings of Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims and Christians. It's a wonderful thing, these faith communities getting together in unity. This is her statement to me. And I thought, oh, wow. man. I thought, whoa, now wait a minute. You know, I mean, I wasn't ready to fight her. I just thought, isn't that, that's interesting. <laughs> and then she talked about, uh, somehow, I can't remember the segue right now, but it got into, 
uh, men and women issues. And so I began yep. to ask her about her denomination. I said, well, how are you different? I'll just tell you, she was the ELCA, which is Evangelical Lutheran yeah. Church. I said, so how do you differ from like the Missouri Synod? Because I have friends in the Missouri Synod. And I kind of knew, yeah. knew a little bit, but I wanted to know what she thought, you know. And she says, well, the big issue is, is women in ministry. They, they, aren't, they don't believe in the diversity of women in leadership and ministry. Missouri yeah, Synod. Yeah. And I said, well, what do you do about that? I said, you know, um, you know Scriptures does, does have a discussion about this and talk about this. I'm just curious, what do you do with these particular Scriptures? And I brought yep. up a few Scriptures. And she said right away, and I know this statement, by the way, about what I'm to tell you I've heard many times before in other types of discussions. She said to me, she said, well, that's what Paul said. <laughs> that's what Paul said. Now, yeah, yeah. Some people listening right now might not know what that means, but that's that's a buzz statement, meaning you know people use this. I've heard it many times. What they mean is that the Bible, the full Scripture is not God breathed. The full Scripture is not the inerrant, infallible, plenary is the word full, complete canon, uh, yep. sufficient Scriptures from God. And right. so she would say, well, Jesus never addressed that. That's not how Jesus saw it. Paul, so in other words, what we have here is we have this compilation of this ancient book. And some things are what God has given us and some things are not. And, right. and Paul is not. That's just Paul's opinion about some things. See? Oh, my goodness. So here's the point. There's a whole debate to be had there, right? But the bigger thing I'm trying to say right now is I realized, and then I began to ask her, I said, so you don't. I asked her just a couple questions, and, it, and, and probably my personality, I really was trying to be kind, but she said, see right here, this is the problem. We should not even be talking about this sort of thing. This is the thing that creates the conflict in the unity. We should not even be having this discussion. And she was upset. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, I, I really was curious that your denomination, I didn't know much about it. I was wondering where you were from, how you see this stuff. So. I'm sorry. We don't. We won't. Even, we don't even need have the conversation. But thanks. Thanks for helping me understand. So, I realized though that as much as we sat there that this week, sang songs, prayed, talked about all this wonderful stuff, did I really have unity with her? When we don't fundamentally believe the same thing about the very Word of God, right? And I'm realizing like I don't. Like you don't. I, like I really don't. I I know it's feels like it maybe in some subjective way sitting in a room and having a lot of experiences together for the week but if you don't fundamentally believe a, a basic doctrine that god's really spoke to us and that we can trust this um you know again now if she would have said i'm not sure you know an application of what paul said could have been different but she literally her statement her point was is that what paul wrote is not scripture is not god speaking to us that's the point right right <laughs> and so you realize like wow we can talk all we want about revival and awakening, but what I think revival and awakening is is actually a repentance of our sin and returning to God in His Word. I mean, that's and you you obviously are seeing revival and awakening as something completely different. Well, exactly, and I mean, if you going off of the denominational line, there ELCA they also allow for the ordination of of gay clergy. Yeah, yeah, whatever. See, so, yeah, you want to you want to look at that, and you go. Again, fundamentally, gospel, repentance of sin, turning away from sin. Right. So fundamentally. fundamentally the, right. Oh, just fundamentally, the ELCA does not think that you need to repent of a homosexual yeah. behavior or lifestyle. Yeah. Indeed, you can be the leader of us in this denomination yeah. and still be practicing an right. abominable sin. Right. No, it's that, like there's no unity there. No, let me let me say, since I'm talking about a thing, and I, you know, I'm not mentioning anybody's names or anything in that sense, but this is a public podcast. It doesn't mean I couldn't be friends with somebody like that and have a conversation with them or even get a chance to preach in a setting like that. I, I mean, I hope right. I do. But we fundamentally do disagree, and I would be approaching a person like that as somebody that I don't know if they're in the same forest as I am, meaning the forest of biblical Christianity, <laughs> you know. Well, well, right, yeah. You you like to be a little bit more... Uh... Uh, what tempered or soft with the way you say? It. I would just say I don't think this yeah. woman's a believer, yeah. and I'm yeah. gonna treat yeah. her as a non-believer. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know me. I'm and, just I try to be careful because I don't know what's going yeah. on with somebody. They could be confused, and I tend to agree with you, Sam. They probably aren't, but you know, and, sometimes people are just confused. They have they haven't thought this stuff through, and so yes. Yeah, so anyway, yeah. with with that said, I had one other setting that I had that was a wonderful setting, and it still is. It was a setting of pastors I'd get together with and pray with, and this is again not a a, a big 
harsh negative thing. It was just interesting to me because week after week, we'd get together for prayer meetings. I don't know how many denominations were there. It wasn't a huge group. It was, 50, you know, say a dozen to 20, depending on the week. All different types of churches. We'd get together and pray together. And But yep. virtually every week, sooner or later, somebody would mention they would pray for unity. Yep, they would, always. They would, they would always be praying for unity. Right? And I thought it's fine. So one week I finally said, hey, guys, I noticed... Um, uh, and it might have been the same time experience that I had with this uh, up at Yale because I was thinking a lot about it at that time. So I'm going to guess it was in that same year or two. But I sure. said, I said, I've been praying with you for a long time. I enjoy you guys. Uh, some of you are always praying about unity. I'm wondering if some of you could stay after the meeting. I'd like to talk to you about this. Just I have some questions that you could maybe <laughs> help me understand. So a handful of them did. I mean, like probably half the group stayed after. Maybe it was half a dozen or, yeah, probably half a dozen or so were there. And I said, okay, yep. you guys pray a lot for unity. Here's my my question for you. Like, how do you know when you got it? Like, you've been yeah. ask, asking God to give it to you. What is it? What is it that you guys are looking for? I'm, I'm just curious. Like, you you want this unity thing, and I'm trying to ask, what is it? Like, I come, yeah, here, yeah, every week, I come here every week, and I pray with you guys, and I enjoy you. And from what I know of all your churches, you're all preaching the gospel. Like, I'm thrilled. I think it's awesome. Like, so what is it that you think we don't have that we need? that we're trying yeah. to get. And it was an interesting response because they couldn't answer the question. <laughs> One said, well, you know, you know, I just feel it. I, I even felt it recently when I went in a Roman Catholic church and they were singing our same praise songs. And I realized that, you know, you just feel it in your spirit. And I thought, okay, oh. okay. I thought that was interesting. And pretty much that was the consensus. You feel it. Subjective. You, it's something you feel. It's something you yeah. know you have. So like and, an emotion. Whatever. And so once again, I walk away going, I I don't know what it is you're after. I Yep. Because I want to I can't pin that down. I, they couldn't pin it down. So here they are longing for something. These were leaders in churches. These were pastors. And they're longing for something. And really, seriously, I realize it's a small survey, right? It's just five or six guys. It's not like it's hundreds across the country. But they really couldn't tell me. They really couldn't tell me what it is, if we're, since we're praying for it, what it's going to mean. Yep. And yet, yet uh, and we'll get to this, I would have said, by being in that room with those men every week and appreciating that they were preaching the gospel and even appreciating they appreciating that they have some different traditions that I don't have. Or mm -hmm. I, I don't fully agree on everything that they hold to or believe or they do. They might do communion different, baptism a little different, communion, you know, a variety of things, maybe worship different. That's fine with me. It wasn't a big deal to me. I just thought, isn't this great? We're here. We all believe the gospel. We all believe the reality of Jesus. We're preaching him in our city. Uh, we're praying together that our ministries flourish. We see difficulties in our cities, so we're praying for those difficulties. And we go each go back to the, you know, the the field, the farmer field that God has given us, and we cultivate it and minister it. In my mind, I'm like, this is awesome. But it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. They wanted something else. So I will just say, you know, from that point on, again, some of those guys may be listening to this. They're dear guys. They're my brothers in the Lord. I just didn't get what it was that we were all trying to get. I mean, and they right. try, they tried different things. They wanted to exchange pulpits with each other and all sorts of stuff. And I thought, what is it you're trying to prove? Is it is it is it because our culture says we're supposed to? Again, this is probably more my suspicion. There's this yeah. this pressure from a culture that says we're supposed to be unified, and then yep. somehow the culture, you know, I'm using that word broadly, but I think people understand the society or culture is defining what that looks like. Yeah. And then you have pastors going, well, we really don't have that. I've, I've heard people say, you know, the most segregated hour of the week is Sunday morning worship. And I go, well, yes and no. But I go to a church with a whole bunch of different people in that church that, apart from our skin color and the pigment of our skin, that may look very similar in some ways, many of those people I wouldn't have anything to do with. They don't have deer heads on the wall like you and I have on the wall. They, they, they like golf or drinking some well, kind of... I mean, I'm good with gasoline, uh, gas station coffee, for crying out loud. I can't believe people spend $5 on a cup of coffee. So my point is, yeah. is like, 
I actually do have, I have unity with a bunch of people that normally I wouldn't associate with. So, right. so is the diversity by, by pigment and colored skin? Um, I get to the point, like, I just don't know what to do with it. Like, again, well, see, see, there it is right there. That's what I was trying to say when I was giving my example of going to a church in Castleton where it's all white people and then going to uh, a conference in Africa where, you know, me and you are the only white people there and all it's yeah. all, you know, people with darker skin. Right. And I want to go in the, in our country again, this unity and this diversity thing are in a sense in, inextricable. You can't really pull them apart. So in our culture, we want to say we have arrived at unity when we when we when we take the diversity of people and we in a sense bring them together. So it's it's hard to explain. It's like again, it's not you would think like a unity by definition would be everything that is together is the same if that makes sense so let's just say i have a bunch of marbles and they're all the exact same marble they look the same they're made up of the same stuff they're the same that's a unity boom the same marble or you can think of uh, if you're a science person hydrogen atoms or or oxygen atoms or whatever it is or a water molecule there's a there's a tremendous unity among those things. They're the same thing, made up of the same parts. They have unity with each other. Yeah. Now, where we get confused, though, is the diversity aspect. Because here we have human beings, and we're the same. Like, I'm a human being. You're a human being. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Here's Adam naming all these animals. And he goes, God, there isn't an animal like me. I don't feel a... I'm not, I don't feel united with any of these animals that I've just named. Yeah. Now I feel lonely. Yeah, that's a good point. And then he makes he makes Eve. And again, this is the profound thing. It didn't it's not like he made another man. Right. You know, with with yeah. manly parts, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, there he is. The guy that looks exactly like me has the same stuff as me. Yeah. No, he made a woman with different parts, different features, and he goes, "Finally, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh." Isn't that fascinating? I shall Oh, Sam, you're going. See, I didn't know where this would all go, but that's. Well, I don't know where I'm going either. Here's why. Here's why that's awesome, right? Because it's you have a woman and a man that even right down to a cellular level, the woman's cell cell is completely different than a man's cell. Not completely, but I mean, it's every cell is different. They don't even have the same kind of cells. They don't need. She has an XX and he has an XY chromosome. The DNA difference there. The most fundamental block that we understand at this point, maybe they'll someday find out other blocks, but the the most fundamental block is DNA, and it's even different. And yet they're the and yet they're the same, and yet they complement one another. They fit together. Yep. Yep. And once again, we're not trying to go there, but think of the counterfeit. The counterfeit's bizarre. We're going to take two people of the same gender, same sex, and somehow you're going to have this complementary couple thing. It's not no. going to. It can't. It's a counterfeit. No, it's a counterfeit. It's a count. Homosexuality is a counterfeit. Yeah, it's that's just what a, we're saying. Yeah, that's. It's just a counterfeit. And so, yeah. it's the same sort of thing I'm seeing in the world when we this discussion of unity. I see all this stuff out there that's intuitive. Coming back to everything we've talked about for about 45 minutes, but. It's an intuitive sense within the human soul because the fingerprints of God to long for the right. sense of unity and the sense of diversity. The world didn't come up with this. It's God's idea. And God right. God has a way of actually us actually tasting it and experiencing it that's right. different than what the world is offering. Right, right. And, and so here's full circle. Oh, you want to say something? No, I just, you know, we're not trying to enter into this whole current cultural debate about racism and all that. That's not the point. It's it's something very But more, it's relevant. It's it's relevant, but it's much more fundamental than that discussion and that is that yeah. that and let me just come back. I think it's in us because God made it in us. It's right from his image, the Trinity, yep. perfect unity yep. and diversity all wrapped up into one. He's right. he's put his fingerprints on the world if you if you want to say it that way. And right. and we and 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 we've tasted it. We do taste it. I taste it every Sunday morning when I go into a room of people, apart from, not even apart. I mean, I could the, the room I was in this last Sunday had different colors of pigments of skin, okay? But right. that's, that's not the big deal to me. The big deal to me is that we're all diverse people that wouldn't have any reason to come together. Okay, that's what I'm trying to get at. That's Except what I'm trying to probe at here. The most 
fundamental thing, the most intimate thing, is our souls, our spirits, something deep yeah. within us has come yeah. in contact, come in contact with the living God of the universe, Jesus Christ. Right. And his spirit has been put within us. And right. now and walking when I walk in a room, you could be the golfer that drinks five dollar coffee. I'm the guy that likes to put a deer on the wall and drink gas station coffee. And I have perfect like I totally adore you. I totally okay. adore who you are. You do things different than me. It's not a big deal to me. We get to worship. Right. We sing the same that's songs. That's what I'm Go ahead. Go. That's what I'm getting at though, is this reality yeah. that we've we've defined uh what am I trying to say? We've defined the most or the deepest aspects of diversity um, as, in a sense, the most uh, shallow or superficial types of diversity. So you here mean, we have. The, when you say they, you're talking about like what we're experiencing in the world. I'm, right I'm now. talking about the world right now yeah, and right. how the church is adopting the world's idea. So, yep. Okay. Bear with me here for a moment. Yep. Bear with me for a moment. Got it. So, reality is is that. Okay, and Dan, has, you've given the examples. Hey, there's people in my church that I have really nothing in common with on a, on a hobby level, maybe a personality level, maybe just walks of life, maybe socioeconomic status, whatever yep. it is. And there's, there's something more diverse about us than simply the color of our skin. Yeah. So I might have, in a sense, way more in common, let's just say minus religious things right now, Way more in common with somebody of a different color of skin than, than I do. I might have way more in common with them than I do with somebody that has the same color of skin with me. Yep. And, and that's the point. It's like the world is trying to unite us on the, 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 the most external parts of who we are. Just the color of your skin. Whereas actually where we really experience our diversity is not on the color of our skin, but on our personalities, on our – culture is certainly a part of it. Yep. Culture is certainly a part of it, but you can have people of the same culture with a different color skin. Yeah. You can have people of the same language with a different color skin. Yeah. And that's where, going back to your African example, is it's really insightful as you go to a country like Ethiopia and you have all these, these in a sense, very ancient tribes. It's very tribalistic. Yep. You, I mean, Ethiopia is a very ancient country. Yep. I mean, we see it in the Bible, very ancient. So you have these tribes in the mountains and stuff, yeah. and there's this tribalism going on. And the same ha same thing was true with, with Native Americans in, in, in before it was colonized yeah. by Europeans. We all think that, oh, they're just all Native Americans. They're all united as one. No, they were extremely tribalistic, and they yeah. killed each other. They hated yes. each other. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was one tribe against another. And you think that the world just thinks, oh, because they're Native Americans, they just have this great unity. No, not, not at all. Right. So, again, that's the problem. The world defines unity extremely superficial, extremely external. Yeah. And they totally ignore the fact that actually our greatest diversity is, is, is something internal to us. It's, our, it's the things that we believe. It's the things that we like. It's our hobbies. It's our personality. Yeah. It's all these other things. So, again, I might have something way more in common. I might have greater unity with a guy that has a different color skin than me yeah. that likes to hunt, fish, whatever, than a guy that has the same color skin with me. We might be totally different. We might yeah. believe different things, have, like different hobbies, yeah. totally different. Yeah. So that's the problem. So that's if if we impose that on the church, then the church goes, well, we've, we've, we've found unity when— when we have a bunch of people with different color skins, skin colors in our church, that's not it yeah. in a sense. Like that's part of it. That's certainly, there is certainly an aspect to diversity on the color of your skin, but that is one factor in a plethora of things that we're diverse over. Yeah. And that's, again, I've kind of regurgitated a bunch of stuff right there. There's just so much more to this unity right. and diversity and, and topic. If, and just, I don't want to get off on, this thing to take on a rabbit trail that turns into a big thing because culturally we have this other pressures, right? Conflict going on with race and all that. But yeah, the biblical, the, the bigger biblical concept is partiality. Like we are not supposed sure. to show partiality. So could there be a church? Let's just make it simple. Could there be a church? That's, let's just say they're white. Let's just make it simple. They're white. Yep. And yep. they actually do have a partiality against somebody with darker pigment. Black person. They could. They could. That could be a true. And, yep. and we in the church would go, well, that's called sin. 
That's wrong. That's wrong. Yeah. That's sin. That's we, hatred of your brother. On the other hand, we wouldn't say it's okay to go, like I said earlier, like here in Kansas City, it's fascinating to me. There's a couple churches I know of in Kansas City because of my exposure to Africa that are Ethiopian churches in Kansas City. Yep. And the Ethiopian people want to get together and worship together. Yeah. I don't think it's because they hate me as a white guy or they're showing pers- right. I don't think in that setting they openly or honestly, if you could look in their soul, are thinking partiality. They're just going, no. they're just saying, I like to do Ethiopian stuff because I'm from Ethiopia and we kind of eat the same food and we enjoy each other's company and we enjoy right. the same music and some of our service is probably in the Amharic language. That There's nothing inherently wrong with that. No. Now, if there is sin there of partiality, you know, which yeah. we, we could think of racism, that's a different discussion, and that does need to be addressed. But right. so without going down that entire road, all I'm saying, though, is yes, there is this problem we see and the world striving for something that's in their soul. And apart from the gospel, apart from doctrine, apart from doctrine, what we're talking about is the truths of God. You're not going to have the real thing. It's not going to happen. And you can try right. to hammer this thing in. You can try to use a bulldozer yep. and bombs and guns and law enforcement right. and legislation to cram right. this thing in. At the end of the day, it's just going to continue to be chaos. Right. And and you, you can't force you can't I, force it. You can't. It, I keep I keep talking about the irony of it because here going I'm gonna go back I'm gonna revisit your example of the woman in the shuttle back to the airport after this Yale you know over revi- yeah. evangelism revival yeah. conference because here's the deal she wants to she she says that your your view on you know your orthodox conservative inerrancy of scripture authority of scripture view that hey. The Bible actually does talk about men and women and their roles in the church, and yeah. it does say that men are the the leaders of the church and the leaders of the homes. She she's claiming that that is perpetuating this disunity. Yeah. But yet she fundamentally is also being exclusive. She's saying that the right view is that we can have men and women, and, and indeed, if we want to take the ELCA's position to as as they say homosexuals whatever we can have all this diversity and have them all be leaders in the church but yet by taking that position they are now excluding you you don't fit in that system and so they're (laughs) they're being disunited yeah. And this is you see this. There are so many actual historical examples, especially with these institutions like seminaries and and things like that, where once a seminary goes liberal and says, "Hey, we need to accept everybody. We need to be more open to other other religions like Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam. We need to be open to to the homosexual. We need to be open to women in leadership." As soon as they take that route. Then they're excluding the orthodox person, and they've they've said there's going to be a disunity between us and the orthodox person. Yeah, they're not letting the orthodox person in. They don't want the orthodox person in. And there's historical examples. There's actually documented instances where they won't even ordain an orthodox person within their denomination. But likewise, the, the orthodox person doesn't want to be ordained well, in their denomination you know because they don't agree with it. It's funny, I won't mention the name, as you know who it is. He wanted you to meet one of his daughters. But we have a friend from Egypt oh. that you met that lives here in the States. And he yep. and he came here to the States, and he was going to uh, align with the denomination that he aligns with in this other country, in Africa. Yes, this is great. This is a great story. Well, there's numerous parts of this story. Uh, you want me... To- yeah, let me tell the whole thing. So the Tell first, the story. First, this is so great. Imagine he comes here from over there. Now, just understand... That this is, I will just say, it's the PCUSA, okay? Yep. Church USA, which in our country here, say in the West, is extremely liberal. Yep. Uh, liberal meaning they've really abandoned uh, uh, essential doctrines of the Christian faith in large yep. measure. I'm sure there's, I know some PCUSA guys, individual men and women, who would be very orthodox. But the denomination as a whole, the system as a whole, has abandoned in large measure, right. the key doctrines of the Christian faith. Okay, so right. Wh- while at the same time, 
these same denominations over in Africa, and again, people listen to podcasts may not know this, in large measure in many cases are still very conservative. Like they, they, yeah. they, they still are grounded in the essentials of the Christian faith. They haven't caved. Yeah, caved in the inerrancy over. of the scriptures. Yeah, they, they haven't caved over there. So this guy came over here to the States. It's a long story why he had to come here. Some of it, he got chased out of countries. I mean, it's a fascinating story. He's, he's paid a price for being a Christian over in the, some places. But he comes over here, and he's going to realign with that same denomination that he's aligned with over in Africa. So he goes to <laughs> two things, two yep. stories happen. First of all, um, it, two things happened to him. Number one, I'll just make it simple. He went to a committee meeting to get ordained over here. And they said, well, wait a minute, we've heard some of your preaching and teaching. And by the way, the committee was basically, I think he said six or seven people, five of them were women that were ordained in the PCUSA. And they didn't like the fact that he didn't think women should be ordained in ministry and in leadership in the church in that sense. Right. And uh, and they knew that this was his position. And he said, you know, he said, well, the denomination I'm a part of in Africa, that's its position. And that's the position I've been ordained in and what I hold to. Um, I just want to see if right. that ordination will shift here to the U.S., which it didn't. They rejected him because of his view of women in ministry, which really isn't a view of yep. women in ministry, by the way, for people that may not understand this. It's really a view of how you view the scriptures. Right, exactly. Really, really what the fundamental issue here is, is how do you view the scriptures? Right. Is it, oh, that's just Paul's view? Yeah. Or I mean, is that, it, that, no, that's really this is fun. God spoken? But, but So that's the first thing that happened. He couldn't get ordained, but... With that said, somewhere in that same timing, this is a kick, kick story. So imagine this guy from another country who really doesn't know everything that's going on over here, to be honest with you. I mean, he not, he's not ignorant or, you know, I mean, a smart man knows numerous languages, you know, numbers of degrees. But he went to a conference and he walks up and, and I won't say his name because I don't want to give trouble. But basically... They say, uh, your name, you know, that he registered for this well, conference. A piece just, of, just fill it in with, like, Bob. Just say yeah, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Okay, Bob. So so very much a guy's name. He walks up to the counter, and he was going to a PCUSA conference, and they said, okay, yeah. what's your name? Bob. Okay, Bob. Yeah. What do you want to be called, Bob? And he was like, yeah. Bob. They're like, no. <laughs> do you want to be called a he, she, or they? And he, yeah. was, he was like, what? He didn't even know this what? discussion. He's like, <laughs> I'm Bob. I'm a he. I'm a man. I'm a he. I, I don't understand your question. Oh, well, you can be what you want. A he, she, or a they. And then he said, so, uh, well, I'm a he. I'm Bob. <laughs> so he goes into the conference. He gets his name tag, Bob, with he at the bottom of it. And he says, I walk in there. And sure enough, there's like literally guys walking around, men, hand in hand. And one's a he and one's a she. Oh, my goodness. And he just thought, I can't do this. He said, I made it maybe an hour into the conference. And he said, I just went, I just went home. And that is a, that is a mainline yep. denomin- <laughs> Christian denomination in this country. Yeah. And he's just, USA. And he just came from another country. You can imagine. Talk about a culture shock. He's like, what is Holy this? Holy moly. <laughs> I just had to laugh. Though. Can you imagine that? Here's a guy from another country. He has no idea about this. And he walks up, and they're like, well, what do you want to be called? Bob. <laughs> well, right. he, she, or, well, I'm a he. I don't, he didn't even understand the context of the question, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and, and that, that's the perfect example. That's the perfect story to prove my point. The point is, is that these people, they say that they are, they're advocating for unity. They're yeah. advocating for unity. Yet, when it comes to a guy like Bob, who is orthodox <laughs> in his view of Scripture, they will not let him be ordained in their denomination. Sorry, we'll ordain everybody else in this world who lines up with our liberal ideology, but we will not ordain you, Bob. We're excluding you. So <laughs> they are so hypocritical, it makes me want to vomit. Oh. <laughs> Sam, you're so funny. <laughs> oh, God. But isn't it interesting? So, what a fascinating story, right? Oh, it's a great story because it proves a point. <laughs> and and that's what we're getting at is because again we'll we'll probably wrap up this this episode here shortly, um, 
But that's, okay, that's kind of, we've set the stage a little bit, and we've kind of drifted into more of the church topic here. Yeah. Because the topic is about this ecumenism, okay? We have all these different denominations. They believe different things about doctrine. Uh, certainly, there's those denominations that are liberal that just have a different view on the nature of Scripture and the nature of God and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you go, where where is the line? Where is the unity and where's the, sorry, I can't be united with you, nor do we have unity, and I'm not going to pretend like we do. And how do we look at that biblically? How do we define it biblically? So that's what we're going to get into in the next episode, is now we're actually going to get to the scriptures, and we're going to talk about this reality, you know, Dan has already said, it's an indicative. It's something, it's an indicative again. It's a fact. This is a presupposition. This is a fact. This is what we take to the table. This is what the Bible says is true and exists in this reality that God has created. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we're going to get into. We're going to look at, okay, what are those uniting facts to the Christian faith and to our Christianity and and even to this this world that God has created? Yeah. Uh, and, and part of that, too, is what are those diversities that God has created as well yeah. that are in a sense, a fact and true. And how do those things intertwine? And and then again, the whole question, well, we just want to be more united. We're praying for unity. Well, what does that look like? And how do we get that? (laughs) And then how do we know we have it? Yeah. Uh, Because it's it's not good enough just to say, well, it's just this feeling that I feel. Yeah. (laughs) That doesn't work. (laughs) It doesn't doesn't work. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, (laughs) Oh, man. I, 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 I... Again, um, a clarification for any of you who are wondering. Dan and I get very emotive, and we like to yell when we get when we get passionate about something. So, if you've been thinking, <laughs> I think these guys are mad at each other or something. No, not a, not in the slightest, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Dan and I have great unity, <laughs> <laughs> and we've even argued. So, we've even argued. We've even argued. Yes. Oh man, we argued. But it, oh, so we no. just get really loud and passionate and emotive, and so if you're wondering, man, these guys sound like they're mad or something. No, <laughs> not not at all, not at all. Please don't think that. Uh, please don't think that at all. Yeah. We just get really excited, <laughs> and so the louder we get, <laughs> here's the rule: the louder we get, it's likely the the closer uh, this topic is to. What we've been thinking about lately, <laughs> um, but it's fun for us. So hopefully you've uh, enjoyed listening to us uh, go on about this topic of unity and diversity. Um, I really encourage you to listen to this next episode where we actually start to dive into the theology of it and the doctrine of it. Um, and I think it'll be really enlightening. I think it'll be really good. Uh, there's a lot to learn because the reality is. Unity, you could actually say there is a doctrine of unity in the scriptures. So what does the Bible say about it? That's what we have to know, and that's what we are going to look at coming up next. So thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, Tune in to the next one. Thank you.